Welcome to Asa Abloy's Security Perspectives podcast. In today's complex world, it takes a village to ensure the safety, security, and health of a facility. In each episode, we'll speak with industry experts about their point of view on the latest trends, technologies, and topics impacting the security industry. If you want to broaden your perspective on physical security, this podcast will give you the insight you're looking for. All right, welcome to another episode of Ass Abloy's Security Perspectives. Joining me today is Elena Steinbugel from Penn State University. Hello, Elena. How are you today? Good, Jeremy. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing great, thanks. Um, so one of the first questions that we ask on, on these podcasts is kind of get to know you a little bit better is, uh, is you know, obviously you work uh, in the university space, but where did you go to, to higher education? Well, I'll give it a good old we are. I went to Penn State University. Um, I spent some time at one of our Commonwealth campuses. We have 24 campuses within our institution. So I was fortunate to have an experience at our Commonwealth campus and then also at our main campus during my uh, bachelor's degree. So during your, uh, your time at, at, uh, at, in, in school, is what was your go-to 2 a.m. snack, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, after a good old fun night, my go-to snack was blueberry waffles. Blueberry waffles, all right. <laughs> and it's still my go-to snack today, so. Uh, 2 a.m. or just a different well, time? Well, we moved that up a little bit now. Okay. <laughs> so. uh, my kids love blueberry waffles, okay. too, by the way. But uh, So I, I, would, I think it's safe to assume that your favorite college football team, uh, the Penn State Indy Lions? Indeed. So I, I grew up in the town that Penn State resides in at the main campus. So it's it's hard to not be a Penn State football fan when you live in, in State College. Um, again, born there. So as, as we like to say in our area, we bleed blue and white and I'm through and through a Penn State fan. As, as am I. So I grew up uh, pretty in close proximity to State College as well. But a little fun fact here for everybody uh, listening is on on game day, uh, Penn State uh, University Park actually becomes the third largest city in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if anybody knew that, but uh, it's interesting when you throw 107,000 fans into one stadium, it becomes the third largest city. And uh, a question on that is, you know, from a, a safety and security aspect, how do you, you know, w- with with your involvement in safety and security on a college campus, how what do you, how do you guys get involved with uh, college game day with 107,000 fans? How, I mean, yeah. Elaborate yeah. on that. No, absolutely. Um, so University Police and Public Safety, the, the unit that physical security um, resides in, has a lot of supporting roles for, for game day operations. We work very closely with intercollegiate athletics, um, but specifically my team, we are there as camera drivers. Hmm. Um, so we are stationed within the stadium uh, in one of the press boxes, and we drive cameras for our police operations and support ICA. And then we also are driving cameras from our emergency operations center, which is, of course, off-site. Um, so it's uh, there's two people there throughout the day. Our coach loves night games, so we've got some long <laughs> shifts and some split days that we have to cover. Um, but my team of ten, we we cover all of them, and um, it's it's a fun day. It's an electric time to be part of the Penn State community on a game day. Yeah, that's how does your access needs change? You mentioned you mentioned video and cameras, but from access control perspective, do those do those needs change on on game day as well? It actually changes a few days ahead of time. Uh, The stadium goes into a lockdown state after a police sweep is done, and in which case then only one entrance is open to the stadium. So anyone working a game, unless you're with police, um, has to enter this uh, certain gate that they're pre-vetted and can get their all access badge and things for the day. Uh, so yeah, access, we do, we lock things down pretty tight. 
um, no vehicles within certain radiuses and things of that nature. Okay. Could you elaborate a little bit uh, on the role that you're in now at, at, at Penn State, maybe where you got started uh, in your career and how you got to where you're at today? Yeah, sure. No, it's it's been an exciting 12 years at Penn State for me so far. Um, I, I started out working in housing facilities, which is, was great. Learned so much about the university, the inner workings of things, met a ton of super people who have helped mentor me along the way. Um, but I was fortunate to be given an opportunity to work in a security role within housing. Um, so from there, uh, we grew that to not just overseeing one campus, but all 11 residential campuses um, that have students living there. So, um, and then from there, again, another great opportunity. I always say every path leads us to our next. Uh, so now here I am as the director of physical security for our entire university. Wow. So from, from a residence hall perspective, um, having some experience on that side, what, how have you seen security change uh, on the academic space as well as um, on the residential hall side? Yeah. So um, Penn State has been placing an emphasis on our perimeter security. That's where we um, are taking the closest look right now and, and doing a lot of work. A lot of funding um, has been allocated there, but housing, because of the nature, people lay their heads down at night every, day, every night. We want them to feel safe and secure in those spaces. Um, they were, they were, they had perimeter security dating back to 2000, actually probably early 2000s. Um, now that I think about it a little bit more, we had a migration that took place since then from a hardware and software perspective within housing. Uh, that was in 2013. But now from an academic side, now that I'm overseeing the entire university's physical security, we are in a phase two of uh, implementing perimeter security at our academic facilities. So um, certain egress, ingress points, and everything's being assessed from that perspective. Camera surveillance is being added. Mm -hmm. um, so our, our inventory is growing daily, yeah. quite literally. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we're seeing those trends in the, in the higher ed space as well as, you know, campuses of your size are almost small cities um, in themselves. And so mm -hmm. how, have you, how have you seen security grow uh, in your tenure here uh, with the campus? And where do you see it? I guess it's a two-part question, but how have you seen it uh, expand currently and then where do you see it five years from now? Yeah, no, great, great question. There's just been so much work and like we see with every piece of technology in the world, it's evolving so, so quickly. Um, it's difficult to keep up. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we just have to make our best assessments, try and make the best decisions that we can, evaluate the diversity of what our community is doing between events, residential housing, day-to-day -day operations, business buildings, administrative buildings, and things of that nature. Um, but for us, we've made a lot of movement in the Wi-Fi lock arena. Um, so that's been a huge win for Penn State, and we're looking to see how we can further explore that um, within the academic side of our university as well. Well, as a as a leading lock manufacturer, we like to uh, we like to hear that. Um, <laughs> what could you elaborate a little bit on what your biggest challenge that you face, maybe maybe personally, and then leading a team as well? Uh, you could elaborate on that. Yeah, of course. There's a few things, right? Um, you know, funding funding the natural uh, response. Thankfully, our department's been funded rather well um, because we're making really great strides, and our administration is appreciating and recognizing the needs that the university has. Um, but there's been a lot evolving in the uh, information security world, the privacy world. That's kind of a whole new arena um, that I've gotten into with my new role in understanding. You know, how do we want to handle the data? 
that we are obtaining through these various software platforms. Um, it's a business tool. We invested in it as an institution, as a business tool, but at what extent do we cross over the privacy line and do we have to you know, define those things and put proper processes in place um, to make sure that we are you know, staying honest to our privacy commitment as well. Um, as far as the team goes, I have to say, I work with the very best. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate to have super team. Um, we all are very forward thinking. We're trying to modify the way that we look from being reactive to proactive. In the last two years that I've been thankfully their leader, um, they've really taken huge steps in upgrading systems and putting processes and procedures into place so that we are more on the proactive side of the fence versus reactive. Yeah, that's nice to nice to hear your forward thinking um, uh, expectations for the for the campus. And any advice for your peers? Um, you know, obviously Penn State's a, a, a well-known brand, and uh, from a size perspective, you got you know pretty large scale and scope of what you're trying to do. Uh, for somebody that's uh, going through a, a similar process or moved into a role like yours uh, within the last couple of years, any advice yeah. uh, for someone like that? Yeah, a few things. I mean, leverage leverage your technology. And I'm not just speaking about security. Leverage what your institution's offering. We recently moved to Office 365, and I'm saying it's opened up a whole new world for us to create inventories and, um, again, just keep better track of living databases um, that are much more user-friendly. So that's a leap that we've taken. Um, more generally, though, I'll say, I, I received some of the best advice that I've, I have from one of my really dear colleagues um, from housing is she told me, you know, when you go into a new role, particularly one that is much larger in responsibility um, and scope and scales you mentioned, um, it's important to give yourself some time. Uh, I'm one of those people that likes to have things done yesterday, right? But that's not realistic. So what she told me and what I continue to pass on as I work with and mentor other colleagues is pace yourself. You know, the first year, you're just trying to figure out what is going on. Learn as much as you can. Take up those opportunities that you can with the people that you're going to build partnerships with um, and, and really have those long-term relationships. In the second year, you're devising your plan. Uh, what do I want to do with what I know now? And what do I see in the future? And then your third year, it's all about execution. So getting the team where they need to be with the resources and tools that they need so that you can execute that plan. And from there, of course, it just starts all over again as we continually are learning. But um, that was a valuable piece of advice that I received, um, particularly you know, taking on a role that has the importance of what we do, keeping um, our students and our Penn State community safe. Yeah, it's a very uh, impactful role that's, uh, you know, that, that you have on campus. And you mentioned, um, you know, during some of our conversations about partnerships with, with vendors and instead of relationships, is there anything you could elaborate on maybe what the difference is between yeah. partnership and relationship? So that's another thing I, I would love to share and pass on is, you know, find your people. Um, and when I say that, I mean, find the people who are invested in your institution as much as you are as an employee and serving your community. Um, so build the partnership, don't just build the relationship. It's not about who you know, it's about how you interact with the people and how they interact back with you. And that's just been a huge win for our team in the partnerships that we have built with security vendors, with manufacturers. Um, you know, you really do have a more well-rounded approach and you have resources. Um, so it, it's great to have those kind of folks to be able to pick up the phone, whether it's, hey, I'm in need of this, or what do you think of this off-the-wall idea sure. uh, to bounce things off yeah. of. So definitely have folks like that in your corner. That's really, really good insight. And 
my last uh, my last question here is besides the dream job that you have now as director, <laughs> physical, physical security director, what would be your dream job if you weren't doing this? Yeah. So, I mean, not to stay too close to home here, but um, I love the operational investigative side of what our team does to support our community. Um, so the team will often catch me kind of hopping back into those opportunities when they've got a, um, an investigation they're assisting with or whether they're supporting risk management and on insurance claim that came in, uh, kind of connecting all those dots is always been really interesting to me and it's uh, somewhat immediate gratification when you can come to you know find out what happened and provide that back as a support mechanism so I'd probably say private investigator but that being said I really do love my job so it'd be difficult to tear me away from it well it sounds it sounds like there's a little bit of that that you get to do in your <laughs> yeah. in your in your current dream job so well yeah. well thank you for your insights today Elena and appreciate you supporting the security perspectives podcast series and thanks for joining us today and we'll see you uh, next episode. Thank you.